Welcome to The Grow Show with me as your host, Joe Camerato. I am an entrepreneur who created my company, National Business Capital, from literally $0 out of my spare bedroom to over $2 billion in business loans secured for entrepreneurs nationwide. Since 2007, I have seen just about every type of business. I provide money and help entrepreneurs access capital to scale fast, but I also know that it's possible for you, as you scale, to replace yourself to build systems, processes, and great teams of people that can live on without you so you can actually enjoy your life and your company can still grow. I will not only tell you the peaks and valleys of my story, but I will also bring on world-class entrepreneurs to tell their stories and share their lessons on their growth journeys. Welcome to The Grow Show. Well, hello, hello. Welcome everybody to The Grow Show. With me is your host, Joe Camberato. Um, you know, my show is all about entrepreneurs that are growing, making it happen, and excited uh, to have Paul uh, Thompson on the show today and uh, from uh, Paul David Thompson Coaching and Consulting. Um, Paul went from, you know, working and just having a job to uh, throwing in the towel mm-hmm. and, uh, and founding his company and becoming an awesome entrepreneur and excited to talk about that journey with you today, Paul. And also to hear some of the really cool stuff that you've got going on. Um, you know, Paul is a full-time real estate investor, coach, hard money lender, husband and father. Um, and he teaches people how to acquire deals, uh, build businesses and raise money. Um, in addition to managing his rental portfolio and doing deals consulting, he also is a host and has um, his own uh, podcast called My Freedom uh, Foundry Podcast. Well, welcome to the uh, show, Paul. Joe, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking shop. Yeah, man. So talk to me about how you, you know, how you got started. Let's kind of go back to that. You know, my, my show is all, you know, a, a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners watch my mm-hmm. show and we all love to hear each other's stories. So, so why don't you tell us your story? Yeah. So I uh, grew up in a, a lower uh, income family. Uh, I never went hungry or anything, but we just kind of lived in an in a, in a environment of lack. And so for me to go to college and to get a college degree that had a, a marketable skill set and in the year 2000 when I came out of school I think making something like $45,000 a year uh, I made it like I, I was like that completely changed my social economic status yeah um, which you know you think about it it's 20 years ago so $45,000 was a little bit more back then but that, that still was not a a life-changing amount of money for most people but for me it was um, a certain degree of accomplishment that my parents never achieved. I think they never made that much money in any given year in their entire life, including up to up to up to today. Uh, so I jumped a couple of rungs in the socioeconomic status, and afterwards, I went to work and was earning an income. But then I felt very unrewarded by the whole situation. But I didn't really know any alternative. I didn't have an entrepreneurial spirit at heart at the time, because I was just trying to like survive. And this was finally in an environment where I had an opportunity to breathe a little bit. And so I just settled into work and I thought that's what was life was going to be. Uh, and about 15 years into that program or that, that, that lifestyle, uh, I just kept feeling like I wasn't living up to my potential. And I'd always kind of hoped and dreamed and wished along the, t- along the way that I could do my own thing, but I'd never really had any meaningful ideas or I just didn't know how to go about it. And 
because there's there's no like entrepreneurial track that you can follow that I knew of. I was just like you go to you go to work and then that's what you do. And uh, I had a a big kind of wake up call moment when I was on a family vacation and I asked to extend my vacation with my boss, work from the beach, but I, I just wouldn't come back to the office and sit there for this was in 2015. And and by the way, I worked for an internet service provider. Like we made the technology that made the internet possible. So you'd think we'd be on the cutting edge of allowing people to work remotely. But in 2015, <laughs> that was not a very, as common of, of a behavior yeah. before the pandemic. Um, and that was like, that wasn't even a consideration. It was like, no, get, get your butt back to work. Like, we don't do that here. And I was like, what do you mean we don't do that here? Like, like we make that possible. It was like, and it was like, no, I mean, we're, we're not, we're not even discussing this. Like you, you'll either be back here on Monday or you don't have a job. And I had to work there for years. I was like a middle, middle manager. It's not like I was some upstart um, first year employee. I mean, I was like a director that managed uh, lots of employees and had like a, a big budget that I managed. Like I, I was a significant contributor to the company, but they didn't give a damn. Uh, they just did not care. And that was my moment that I was like, okay, wow, I see, I see how it is. Like that, my eyes saw the world in a little different way that they didn't really care about me. And I was not a, a meaningful contributor um, really because I could be replaced. And that job was way more important to me than, than I was to them. So I went about trying to figure out another way to earn an income and I landed on real estate after evaluating a few different options. Wow. That's amazing. And how did you get into real estate? Was it like on the agent side or, or did you buy a first property or? Good question. Actually before 2008, my wife and I both got our, our life, our license thinking that that was a way that we could learn about real estate. And this is part of 2006. And I turns out we're terrible. We, 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 would, we don't have the personalities to be an agent. We're not salespeople at all. And it just <laughs> it didn't, it didn't stick. It didn't stick. And so I, you know, and then, and then we started having our kids and then, you know, life, life happened, right? 2008 happened and it was just, I was happy to have a job. Um, and it wasn't in 2015 that I said, you know, I had this kind of wake up call moment. And I was like, okay, well, um, what's, what is something I could do? And I considered being a real estate agent again. I considered being an insurance agent. I considered buying a, um, a, some sort of franchise and only to find that I think if I did those things, I would just be buying myself another job. I wanted to create a situation where I could control my time again. So I found, like, well, how about this? How about I just ease my way into it? I'll buy a rental property and just see if this works. And once I bought my first rental property and got my first uh, rental check in, I thought, wow, like, this is it. So I did the Burr method, the buy, refi method. And basically yeah. put my money in, refi, and got all my money back out. And then I, did, I started doing that. I did like 10, 12 times in a row. And I was like, this works. This scales. So I went on a tear and I just bought. I can't remember exactly now, but in the first 18 months, I bought 18 single family houses. Um, and I've gone on to buy, you know, I can't remember. I can't keep track of having a piece of property that I bought and sold. And I have a portfolio of rental properties that, that comfortably provides for my very low cost of living in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, it's cool to see you take the leap and, and, and take the action. I'm sure it was, uh, you know, scary at the time. What was the most, you know, you know, what was the, the you, what, one of the biggest fears that you think held, held you back? Was it fear of failure or? Yeah. Uh, so the biggest fear that I had before I started my journey in real estate was not knowing the path. I, I think I had this problem and this 
challenge of of following a, a proven path like you do in school, like you do in work. And when you're an entrepreneur, there isn't always a proven path to follow. You have to kind of figure out along the way. And a lot of people, I don't think, take the first step because they want to see the entire path perfectly laid out in front of them with no risks. And that's just not the way it works to be a entrepreneur. You have to go at the speed of instruction and you have to, once you go through the next traffic light, you can see a little bit better. And then you go to the next intersection and you see a little bit better. And you just, and sometimes you take the long turn and you get, and you loop around for a while and you have to get back on the right road and then you find your way. And that's the way it, it, what it takes to be a business owner. And I had to basically get somebody to slap me across the head and say, you're taking more (laughs) risks right now by doing nothing than trying to plow forward. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and I think you know, doing nothing is a risk, right? And I think it's the biggest risk that we don't take realize that. Realize, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really wild, actually, when you really think about it. You got to take action, and it's all hard work. You know, like it is building a business is hard work. Climbing a corporate ladder is a hard work. There's and there's no right or wrong with that. I think it really comes down to the person, the individual. But no matter what it is that you're going to do, you, you know, um, it, it's it's uh, you know, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah, when when you're thinking about going out into the market, into the real world and earning an income or starting a business, you're going to be climbing some sort of mountain, whether that's the corporate ladder or the entrepreneurial path, whatever path you're taking, you're going to have to go through some obstacles. You're going to go through some sort of challenges. You're going to have to become a better person along the way that's capable of making that climb. And at the end of that climb, you want to have something to show for it. And the problem with climbing the corporate ladder is in most cases, you have nothing to show for it except for expenditure of time because your income is gone. You're like nothing, very little is being provided for you in in equity and you have no real ownership of the outcome. Unlike when you own real estate or start a business, if you're building equity in these assets, then when you stop doing something, when you stop exchanging your time for money, these assets are still there appreciating or paying you cash flow. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, to to your point, like, and and because, you know, listen, owning a business or being an entrepreneur, it isn't for everyone. I think, you know, you go online today, watch a lot of stuff and they make it seem so easy. Right. But if you are, you know, in uh, in the corporate side working for a company, it's all about bringing more value to the world. Right. So whether it's in a company you work for or as an entrepreneur, but I, to, to your point, I do agree that you've got it. If you're on the corporate side, or even you own your own business, you you know, not because not everyone's business is around real estate, right? So right. Many people have a business. So you, you, you and, and certain businesses, especially service ones, don't you're not really necessarily building a ton of value. Right. So, you know, I think it's really important that you're taking the money that you're earning from whatever it is at a job or in your business and putting it into things that appreciate whether it's um, other businesses, yep. real estate, um, or um, and other businesses could be in the public stock market. Sure. Um, but you've got to be, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be always divesting whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your main yeah. source of income is. You have to divest into other things that produce more money. You have to buy equity um, somehow, right? Hundred percent. Fundamentally, yeah. you need to buy something that is going to appreciate or create cash flow without your direct involvement. Exactly right. Because there's always going to be a wiggle in the economy. There's always going to be things that, you know, you know, become challenging in any sales career that you have. There's always changes that disrupt that. So having the other sources of income is super important. Well, you're using up your most uh, precious and non-renewable resource in time 
and in exchange for that time, you want to exchange it into something else that exists beyond your effort. And if you never yep. make that transition, you'll forever be uh, having to exchange your time for money and you'll never retire. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. I can't, I couldn't agree more. Um, so let's talk about your business today. Like, tell me what you've got going on. You know, excited to talk about that. Sure. So I have a couple different disciplines. I've, I, I'm passive in some things and I'm active in, in others. And so I have a, an existing rental portfolio of, I guess I, I, I'm the only owner of them. So I, I, I guess I actively own it, but I have a property manager in place. And it's took, taken a while to kind of work through and find the right property manager, but I have a, yeah. a good a good enough property manager right now. Um, and they take care of problems. And I probably spend three to five hours a, a month thinking or answering questions or dealing with the books or filing taxes or whatever uh, for this uh, portfolio of 40 or so properties uh, that's in the central Arkansas area where I live. And, and that's the foundation of, of my income. So... I, that's what I actively live off of, but I spend very little time making that happen. So I think of that as that that passive or residual income stream exceeds my living expenses. So now I have bought myself financial freedom in that I don't have to spend very much time at all to make that income cover my living expenses. That's exciting. It is exciting because, and it's not a lot of money. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, we don't live a lavish lifestyle. We have a very low cost of living, um, but it, it allows me to cover my basic expenses. And now I don't have to like spend all day figuring out how to make the next dollar and exchanging. And I would say wasting, but certainly spending my time in order in order to earn income. And so now what I do is I spend my time um, actively on. Uh, big projects that have a wealth building potential and less actual cash flow potential. So uh, what I do is I, I uh, invest in uh, commercial real estate projects. I have some ground up uh, uh, multifamily projects that I'm working on, um, which are big projects that won't pay out for many years to come because we have to build these things. Um, and that's a huge learning curve on understanding all that. And then I also run a, a fund where we help other commercial real estate projects um, build their capital stack. So we'll come in as a lender on some of their projects. And, and so I get to see and review a lot of real estate deals. And that's kind of now become my, my, my expenditure of time is raising capital and looking at projects to see if it meets our criteria. Yeah, that's really exciting. And, and I guess the cool thing about the fund is people can invest into your fund, mm -hmm. right. And, and earn some high yield. Right. But, you know, it's a way for them to get involved in real estate, make some, you know, yield on the debt side, but not right. have to do, you know, the work. Right. So, well, it's the it's a lot of the benefits of real estate without the exposure to the complexities of real estate. So we, we take on the risk of running the complexities of real estate and then the, the passive investor gets a, a yield. And we offer a 12% PREF. It's a publicly available uh, investment, but it's for accredited investors. So I can openly talk about it. And it's a, a really good way for people to divest some of their available capital and get some exposure to basically inside deals that you wouldn't really have access to otherwise. Yeah, very cool. And do you ever do any deals where um, you can also, you know, like do you ever do deals where you take on equity and, and syndicate that stuff out? Absolutely. So a lot of times people will come to me and say, hey, I've got this project 
and I, I need some help. Um, can you help raise capital? Can you be an active participant in the project itself? And in that case, we will um, raise capital and I'll have a seat at the table as a GP and I'll act as an investor relations or an asset manager so that I have material um, uh, involvement in the in the project. I'm not just a capital raiser, uh, but I also bring the the investors from my database um, to bear, and they get access to a deal. And I'm really careful and considerate about those because you know there's a lot of people doing that business, and I could just you know find a deal anywhere. But I like to find established operators that have many years of experience, have multiple exits, and have. A, a very strong proven track record because I'm putting a lot of my money into these deals myself. Yeah. So yeah. when investors come along with me, I want to be, have our interest aligned. hundred percent. Yeah. You get, definitely got to watch that today. There's so many people, you know, doing that. The deals are out there, but you know, it's, and, and also going through, you know, someone that's been doing it for a long time. That's also gone through some cycles is helpful right. too, you know, um, and that are prepared for that. Um, so, so definitely that's super, super important. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, what do you think, um, what, you know, what, what do you think has been the biggest challenge with, you know, going, you know, in, you know, into becoming, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, because uh, you know, everyone likes to talk about all the fun, good stuff. But, but, you know, I like on this show, it's like, what are the things that you had a challenge and, you know, overcome that led to, you know, growth in, in, yeah, your what's the kind of like, what's the, uh, the, and kind of real talk about <laughs> what it yeah, takes to yeah. be an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being an entrepreneur or even a business owner, a small time business owner is often romanticized and, not, and the challenges <laughs> are not talked yeah. about nearly as much as they should be. And, and some of those challenges are learning how to operate a business, like the, the nitty gritty details of how to hire employees, how to manage payroll, how to file your taxes correctly, um, how to um, have a marketing channel that is consistently generating leads, having a, a sales cycle that our sales team that is actually you know getting transactions completed, and then a fulfillment team. And, and, and at first, this may be all you, but these are like the divisions that you have in every business, and and then you need to be able to fulfill on your product or service. And many people make the mistake of just trying to find the next. Uh, uh, client by doing more marketing and not fulfilling on the client that they just served. And yeah. that client is your best source of new, <laughs> of, of new uh, future income. Like if someone really likes your product or service, they're going to refer th their friends to you. And that's the cheapest uh, source of, of new clients that you're ever going to find. And when you get really good at fulfilling, then you don't have to market and be this like cutthroat sales team as much because your product speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and that's so important. I think there's so much value in building, you know, providing value to your customers and, um, and there's so much value, um, you know, in, in your customers. Um, but yeah, you know, to, to your point, and, and you're right, no one ever talks about this, being an entrepreneur, business owner, owning a business is so romanticized, but it is, you know, one of the hardest things you'll ever do if you if you do it, if you've built the business, um, you know, if you started from nothing, you know, you you really know this. And and I, I feel like you're, you're kind of like a, a certified juggler, you know, when you yeah. own a business because you're constantly 
all those things you said, like where, you know, every business at every level at all sizes, you know, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand, hundred thousand in revenue to millions mm -hmm. to tens of millions in revenue. <clears throat> it's all the same challenges. And it's usually people, processes, systems, um, accounting, uh, marketing and sales, you know, and, and, and the thing is, and kind of what you said is like, <clears throat> you, you know, it's, you could do great on marketing, but if you're not booking the sales or you can do great on marketing, booking the sales, but not bringing those customers, you know, back because you're dropping the ball somewhere. Yeah. Um, you can do great at all those things and then mess up the accounting side. Um, and, um, you can do great in the sales and marketing, but not a good job with, you know, hiring people and, and having a good culture. So, you know, balancing those out, you know, it, you really are this, like you're always juggling and trying to balance, like, cause you could crush the sales, you know, piece, but, um, if you can't process it and, and book it all, then you're not, you know, really bringing revenue and, um, and, and, and getting all that to really work in sync. It's, it's, I feel like the constant battle, you yes. know, when you, you, you know, you're in business and I think the people that win, um, and are able to scale and grow are the ones that are able to are better at balancing all that stuff out. Constantly. Right. I agree. And the, as the leader, that's your responsibility. If it's your business and it's yes. your vision, that is, that's, you're the glue that brings all that together. And then you can instill corporate culture, company values, because your, your company always has a culture, whether you are proud of it or aware of it, especially when you're a few employees or a few even contractors like most of the stuff I do is, is, is contract work so I work with an engineer you know I work with an architect for I though but there's still a culture with when they hear from me or hear from one of my business partners they like to pick up the phone call or they don't and you <laughs> want to be the kind of, of company that when either your boss or your your client calls you that they want to talk to you and you're and we we wash over this idea of providing value and it's said so much in the public media that the actual meaning behind those words is lost but when people get off the phone with you or get through using your service they want to have felt better afterwards or have had some sort of true value creation experience where like oh that was just so rewarding like you know we, we, we talk about these big companies but do you remember when google first came out and it was just so amazing to use the internet in a way it wasn't before when you're just using yahoo <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah. they revolutionized it and, was like, so I mean, simple <laughs> oh it just worked like before you could never find anything and suddenly they made finding resources on the internet so easy and so they were able to build a juggernaut behind just that very simple concept and that's fundamentally what all businesses are doing is they're finding something some very valuable but simple concept and they're doing it at scale and they're doing it such that uh, the cost it takes you to use it is way less than the value you receive 100 percent. and and value is something that you experience it's not something that you just say right you know you could say oh, oh i would love to bring value to my customers but if your customers don't experience that then they're going to you know the next guy down the block and Yep. I was just sharing this with my team, you know, you know, um, businesses are, you know, most businesses today, just how quickly the world has grown and, and there's so, there's so many different businesses out there. Mm -hmm. Most businesses are, are, are really a commodity at this point. I mean, and, and in so many yeah. industries, because you just, you have so many options to do business, you know, and, and so many places to go. So if you're not bringing the value back to the customer, 
then like what 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 are you really doing? Because if you're if you're dropping the ball, they're just going to go to somewhere else that you know uh, you know to uh, to get whatever it is that they're you know they need. You know, and people have options today. You know, um, something that we all experience is we we go to some sort of a restaurant, and most of the time I find that the service that you get at most restaurants in the U.S. Um, unless you're at some sort of high cuisine place, um, the experience is really not that good. Um, the and and I would probably say that the experience there is probably better than I've seen in other countries. But still, overall, when you go to the the average, you know, ten twenty dollar a plate type place for for a, for your your food, whether it's fast casual fa- fast food or your sit down and dining, um, the the experience overall is not that pleasant. And when you <laughs> finally get good service. And it, you're not even paying that much more for it. But when you get really good service, uh, it's just like, wow, that's just, that is incredible. Uh, I have kids, and so we go through Chick-fil-A a lot. And honestly, Chick-fil-A's food is not that great. But they're consistent, and they're fast, and they're reliable. And nine times out of ten, it is a far superior experience than I get from any other fast food restaurant. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And it's, it's really all the little things. It's not really all, all, all that complicated. But it comes from the top down, you know. It does. Um, and um, and you got to really you know work hard to create you know that culture. It definitely uh, it definitely makes a difference. So what uh, what are you excited about? What's uh, what's up next for you? What are you working on? It's funny that you asked that question. What's up next? Um, I used to co-host a podcast that's called What's Up Next. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it was a it was a personal finance um, podcast where we would talk to people and it was like a, uh, that was the question we would ask everybody at the end is like, okay, what's up next? Like what's, what's happening in the world that you're interested <laughs> about? Uh, it actually, did, it was a good podcast. It just podcast are a lot of work. So um, my other co-host took it and ran with it and he has done really well with that, with that. It's now called earn and invest, but the spirit behind it is we were having different conversations and we're trying to find the next interesting thing to talk about in the world of personal finance. Um, but for me, what is up next is I am on the, the capital raise movement. I am actively looking for uh, people that have uh, capital that is nervous about the volatility in the marketplace right now, and they're looking for a safe haven with a decent yield. And so that's the, the message that I'm putting out there is that I have a fund that has a, a model that is uh, promising, um, I would say, good returns, but they're not promising like 20, 30, 40% returns. And there are potentially people who would get that some years, but the, any kind of model that gets that kind of return probably isn't getting that every single year. I'm offering a, a consistent return to where people can, can double their money in, their, in you know, the six or, seven, uh, six or seven year time frame. And that's the, the kind of my, my pitch is that um, you get these, this money that you've gone and earned and you put it into investments that are going to create yield over time without you having to fuss with it. That's exciting stuff. That's awesome. Well, I definitely want to hear, you know, more about that. And if you want to hear more about that, definitely, uh, definitely hit up Paul. And, you know, we always like to end with just like, what's a growth tip that you, you know, would have offered to yourself in the beginning, or you'd really offer other fellow entrepreneurs that are watching the show. Uh, read everything. You are your most valuable resource. And uh, whether it's through podcasts or YouTube um, or you're listening to books or you're reading physical books, uh, take in a variety of information and 
some inter or some Venn diagram, some overlap of the information that you're bringing in and kind of distilling into lessons, you can apply to your life and it provides you these amazing insights. So it's just like this, this like volume in volume out philosophy. And most of us, most people don't read. And if you just read a book a month, you're reading more than most, most of your competition and the people that you find that are, that are blowing your socks off and they're, just like they're these, they're these incredible business owners. You're like, how are they doing it? Uh, leaders are readers and they are consuming a ton of content. So become infatuated with the idea of learning and gathering new information. Great stuff. Awesome advice. Definitely appreciate it. And how can people find you, Paul? The best way to find me is at my personal website, pauldavidthompson.com. It's how you'd expect all those names are spelled. I have the the curse of a common of three common names. So I had to smash them all together <laughs> to get a unique domain. So the, I, I, I tried to be that guy, Paul David Thompson everywhere. And it's weird. You go on the internet and you find like, like there's a lot of us, like even in my own town, there's like a whole bunch of people named Paul David Thompson. It's so creepy when you think about it. <laughs> that really is. Oh, oh, well, there's not many uh, Joe Camberados out there. I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good stuff, man. It was really great to have you on. Uh, definitely check out, you know, uh, uh, Paul David Thompson if you're interested in uh, in learning more, maybe investing in some of his deals. Uh, you know, thanks for being on the show. Uh, you know, Paul, appreciate everything, and it's really awesome to see you, you know, making moves and uh, and grow and and scale your business. Uh, thanks again, and keep growing. Thanks for having me, Joe. Take care. <laughs>